Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Judge Dorch and Jason. Appreciate those devotional messages. Thank you, Eddie. Now, apparently there was some sort of memo that went out today because it apparently is blue polo shirt day. I don't know how that, that happened, but many of us here are sporting. Me and Eddie, we, we didn't plan this. We didn't coordinate being twins today or anything. I guess it was just a, an act of God this morning that we were all uh, looking so snazzy. But uh, it, it's just a good day to be here today. Um, we're in the series called Let God Lead. And I was thinking about the message this morning. And really, it is hard following. Am I right? It's hard being a follower. If you think about all the things that we have to follow just in this life, you know, whether it's direction somewhere. Anybody that knows me knows that I am attached to my GPS. I have trouble finding my way around places. In fact, this week alone, I've gotten lost twice trying to find my destination. I need a GPS, and unfortunately, GPS in Ohio County doesn't really know exactly where to go sometimes, and it takes me a couple of miles in the wrong direction, and I have to call somebody and figure out where I'm going. So it's hard following a GPS. It's hard following cooking instructions. Now, let me, let me, let me explain this. Every oven I've ever owned, it seems like heats stuff faster than what they say on the little recipe. If it says put in there for 8 to 10 minutes, if I do that, it's going to be burnt to a crisp, whatever it is. I've got to put it in there for like 5 to 6 minutes, take it out, still a little soft in the middle, put it back in, and I go through this process. It's hard following directions. For me, one of the hardest things following directions for is anybody ever bought a piece of furniture or uh, uh, a piece of electronic equipment that has those instructions in it that has no words? It's just pictures, and it, it's not even like, like phot photograph pictures. It's some sort of computer-drawn picture in there, and they give you all these other little parts, and there's like six different sizes screw of screws, and you know you put the wrong one in, you have to take the thing apart. Recently, I bought a, uh, a TV mount for our TV, and it was one of those where you just had to kind of figure out the picture and the drawing and, like I said, all the different screws and the little extenders and all that thing. And I ended up putting the wrong thing in the wrong place, not to take the whole thing apart. And a job that I thought might take me 20, 30 minutes ends up taking me over an hour or two because I'm messing stuff up. It's hard to follow those instructions. Well, why is it hard for us to follow instructions? What do you think? Why is it hard for us to be a follower? Maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe we don't want to follow somebody or something because we know our way's better. And we don't want to follow somebody else. Maybe we just don't understand the instructions that we're given. Maybe it's too confusing, and so we don't follow. Maybe we're just impatient. That takes too long to follow those instructions. I know how to put that thing together. I know how to get there on my own. I'm too impatient for that kind of thing. We think we know a better way, or maybe we're just too lazy. Eh, I don't really want to do that. I'll do it the way I want to do it, when I want to do it. I could probably go on and on, but for us, one time or another, it's going to be difficult to follow. And if I'm just talking about things in this world that's difficult to follow, instructions, recipes, directions, that kind of thing, what about following Jesus? I mean, how much of that is a struggle for us to know that we're following Jesus the way that we should? So today we're going to look at what it means 
to be a better follower of Jesus, how to become a better follower of Jesus. And really it begins with this first question. Are you a follower? See, a lot of people say, well, I follow Jesus. And what they mean is I believe in God. I go to church. I give my tithes and offering. I'm a good person. I do good things for other people. I say nice things. I'm a nice person. I do what's right. And none of those things really mean following Jesus. I mean, I could be like the most religious person and follow all the rules and do everything right according to the letter of the law, and that doesn't mean that I'm really following Jesus. Those things don't save us. In fact, Jesus said that on the day of judgment, there's going to be a time where people are going to stand before him And they're going to say, Lord, we did all these great things in your name. We cast out demons. We did miracles. We prayed over the sick. We did all these wonderful things in your name. And Jesus is going to look at him and say, I never knew you. You say, well, how can that be if they're able to do all of these things? And that's the key. Jesus says, I didn't know you. To be a follower of Jesus means to know Jesus and to be known by him. See, being a follower really means that you're imitating Jesus. In fact, the word Christian originally meant little Christ. You know, a lot of people will call my son Evan Little Scott. And you think about a child who imitates their parent. Why do they do that? They do that because they love their parent and because they want to be like them. And that's the way we should be as followers of Christ. We should be imitating Jesus. That's what it means to follow him. So many of us, we love Jesus. We want to be like him. But sometimes it's hard to know if we're making progress. Are we on the right track? Are we getting better at it? So today we're going to look at that. How to be a better follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today and we thank you for bringing us to this place to open up your word and to study and to to examine our lives and see how we can follow you better because it's what you've called each one of us to do. And I thank you that you open up the way to salvation through Jesus Christ and that we can follow him to eternal life and eternal glory. So God, please be with us today. I know we're all at different spots in our, in our, in our faith journey. Help us to see the areas that we need to turn over to you and we need to follow you better at. And please keep, go with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians chapter 3. We're going to spend the whole time in Colossians chapter 3. So if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be there. Colossians chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. It'll also be up on the screen if you want to follow along that way as well. But we're going to look at what it means to be a better follower of Christ, beginning with Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on these things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now when Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The whole key to today's message, how to become a better follower of Jesus, really stands on this one point, is that we need to center our lives on the person of Jesus. 
Center your life around the person of Jesus. I love that phrase. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Christ, who is your life. Is Christ your life this morning? Can you say that? Think of some things people say. That blank is life. Can you think of any? What's something someone might say? That is life. Tell you my daughter right now, she would say soccer is life. Or my son, he would say baseball is life right now. Maybe it's a hobby that you have. Maybe cooking is life. Maybe it's friends. My friends are my life. Or my family is my life. Maybe my job is my life. Maybe I'm caught up in my job. So what are some things that people say are their life? You see, because we make time for the things that are important to us. And whatever we prioritize, that's really what is at the center of our lives. Annie Dillard, who is an author, and she wrote a book called The Writing Life, she said this, How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. So having a life centered on the person of Jesus Christ means centering our days on the person of Jesus Christ. So what consumes your day? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it your entertainment? Is it your hobbies? Is it sports? Is it recreation? Is it video games? Is it, is it your phone? What are the things that consume your daily life? Because what we spend our days on is what we spend our life on. So we need to be centered on the person of Jesus Christ. The verse that we just read begins with saying, If you have been raised with Jesus. If you've been raised with Jesus, the very first step to being a follower of Jesus is to be saved. You can't follow Jesus if you have not made him your Lord and Savior. It can't happen. You could say, well, I like his teaching or he's got some good advice and I try to live my life by the golden rule and those kind of things. Okay, well, that's nice. But what you're doing is you're really kind of following your own way and you're just sort of taking and picking and choosing things that you like about Jesus and fitting them into your life. But if you really want to be a follower of Jesus, it begins with being saved. Have you made that commitment to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you been baptized into him? And if you have, then what does it say? Seek the things that are above, not the things that are below. Pursue the person of Jesus Christ every day. Now, you might be wondering, why do you keep saying the person of Jesus Christ? Because it's really easy for us in church to get caught up in the rules and the regulations and the obeying different things. And though being religious and having good morals and good rules for your life, those things can guide you down a right path, that's really not following Jesus. You need to have a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. He's called to be our Lord and our Savior. Following rules and practicing religion isn't what saves us. It's humbly coming to him. You see, Jesus knows you, 
right now. He knows you. He created you. He knew you before you were born. And he wants you to know him too. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Let's continue reading, picking up in verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. It says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away, put all of them away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, all of that. Put it out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So in order to make Jesus the center of your life, you have to put to death earthly thoughts, words, and deeds. Those are pretty strong words that Paul writes there in the scripture. Put them to death. You see, if you're going to make room for Christ in your life at the centerpiece of your life, that means you have to remove the things that are currently taking up space there. My wife has a favorite pastime. Whenever our children get a new toy or a new pair of clothes or new shoes or something new for their room, she makes them go through and find the old stuff that they're not using any longer and take them and put them in a basket or put them in a bag or in a box and get rid of them. Either throw them away if they're worn out or donate them somewhere. She loves that, right? She loves making them do that because it clears out some of the clutter and it makes room for those new things in their rooms. So in order for us to make room for Christ in our life, we have to get rid of all the junk that's currently in the way taking up that space. And Paul lists several things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying to one another, prejudice, anything that enslaves us. Get rid of it. When you are saved, you put off the old self and you put on the new self, which is being renewed the more you get to know Jesus. So the more we grow in our knowledge, the more that we get to know our Savior, Jesus Christ, the less power these other things have in our lives. We have to know Christ more so that those things that want to take up residence become weaker and eventually are removed. Let's continue in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, forgive one another. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. See, Paul uses this metaphor. He says the old way of life, that was like an old ragged clothing that you used to wear. 
You used to wear those. You used to walk in that way. But now that you are renewed in Jesus Christ, you need to take that off and put on a new wardrobe. Get yourself a new wardrobe following Jesus Christ. So these things that he lists here, he says that we've been chosen by God. Because we've been chosen, because we are beloved, and because we're made holy by Jesus Christ, we need to change our spiritual clothes to reflect compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. I want to pause on that phrase for just a minute. Bearing with one another. What does that mean? You know, bearing with one another, that sounds kind of nice, but what does it really mean? Putting up with one another. It means that we try to get along even though we might disagree. Really, this is the true meaning of the word tolerance. See, tolerance doesn't mean that you agree with everything somebody says. Tolerance doesn't mean that every idea is equal and valid. It doesn't mean that there's everybody has their own truth and you just have to accept it. That's not what tolerance means. Tolerance means that we have different viewpoints, we have different things that we agree and disagree on, but because of the relationship and the love that we have with one another, we bear with one another. That means that we value that person above winning the argument. Not every viewpoint is valid, not every answer is correct, but you know what? Every person that holds that viewpoint or that value is a child of God. They are created, and God sent his son to die on the cross for them. So that person has value. And that is important that we learn to bear with one another in society today, but also in this church here today. We're going to have disagreements as the body of Christ. There's going to be things that are done that maybe somebody doesn't like, Somebody doesn't understand, doesn't agree with. But if it's not contradicting scripture, if it's not an essential to the faith, then we have that freedom as brothers and sisters in Christ to have that freedom of diversity. And diversity is a good thing when it comes to matters of opinion. There is one truth. Don't mishear me on this. God's word is truth. But bearing with one another means that you value the person And you know that they are created in the image of God and that he died for them. It says, if one person has a complaint against another, then you should forgive them. Unforgiveness in our hearts will prevent us from becoming a better follower of Jesus. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you too must also forgive. Is there someone here you need to forgive? In this room or in your life? Is there anyone that's holding on to unforgiveness in your heart? I want to challenge you, take your bulletin, take a pen, and just write down, today I forgive, and fill in the blank. Today I forgive. And then do whatever needs to be done to forgive that person. If it's going to that person and talking to them, then do it. If it's just releasing the pain and the anger that you've been holding on to and turning it over to God, then do it. If it's praying for them, then do it. Whatever it is you need to do, To forgive someone, do it. Because that will take up residence in your life. And you don't want that to be the center of your life. You want Jesus to be the center. Above all else, put on love. 
Everything that we're talking about stems from the love that we have for God and for others. This relationship with Jesus begins with love, not empty religious actions. It says love binds everything together in perfect harmony. I love that phrase. Love binds everything together in perfect harmony. Do you have harmony in your life? Do you have peace in your life? Let the love of Christ rule in your life. He follows up on that thought in verse 15. He says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If you want the peace of Christ, if you want the harmony of his love, then you must identify the king of your heart. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart right now? Is it you? Is it Jesus? Is it someone else or something else that currently is controlling your heart? Identify the king of your heart. Here's some ways you can identify who's ruling your heart. Are you connected to Christ? Are you in relationship with him? Are you connected to his body, the church? Are you a thankful person? Does the word of God dwell in you richly? Are you soaking in God's word and letting it shape you? Are you sharing the joy, teaching, wisdom, and encouragement with others? Are you singing to the Lord? says, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you sing? Do you sing in church? Do you sing privately to the Lord? Do you worship him? Now, I know singing is kind of one of those subjects that, okay, not everybody's a singer, you know. But when this talks about singing these songs to the Lord, it, it doesn't mean you have to be in the choir, though. We have great opportunities for people to join the choir if you're interested in doing that doesn't mean you have to be up here on stage singing a solo, but we do have great opportunities for special music that we hope that people will get involved in. But singing isn't really an option in Scripture. It's actually a command. Now, what's not a command is singing on key, which I'm thankful for. But why is it commanded? Why is singing to the Lord commanded? Let's go back to the scripture, verse 16, Colossians chapter 3. It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Paul here, if you're picking apart this verse, is actually equating teaching, admonishing, wisdom on one side with singing, Songs, hymns, spiritual songs, and thankfulness on the other. Paul is basically saying that in order to truly worship Christ and to let him be the the ruler of your heart, the center of your life, you need to give him your mind as well as your heart. You see, singing is an emotional response. You don't sing because you intellectually want to sing. 
You sing because there is something in your heart that wants to sing to the Lord. And honestly, being thankful is an emotional response too. Thankfulness comes out of the gladness, the joy, the appreciation that we have in our hearts for Jesus. So to be a better follower of Jesus, we need to have both our minds and our hearts, our intellect and our emotions centered on Jesus and pursuing him. This is what it means to have the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How does God's word dwell in you richly? It transforms every part of you, from your mind to your heart, from your words to your actions, from your thoughts to how you live your life. The word of Christ transforms every part of you. It rules over your mind and your heart. And finally, verse 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, when you're a follower of Jesus, you're no longer acting on your own accord. You are representing him. You're doing everything in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that you represent him. You do it by his authority, by his power. You're not alone. You're not living life alone. You're not facing life's hardships alone. You have Christ and you represent him. So everything you do, whether word or indeed, do it to give God glory. A growing follower of Jesus is a more thankful person. And that leads us to praise God more. So how do you become a better follower? You praise him more. You focus on the things that you're more thankful for. You give him the glory and the honor. You turn your life over to him. Your thoughts, your actions, your words, your emotions, everything centered on the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, when you make him the center of your life, you will grow in your faith and become a better follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you have loved us. We thank you that you have died for each one of us here. And God, you did not leave us in our sin. You did not leave us in our past and our bad habits and our old way of living. You have freed us. You have told us to put off those old things and to clothe ourselves with the new, that we are being renewed daily in the knowledge of of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that for each one of us, that we are being renewed even this very moment in our love for you and our love for one another. Please God, each one of us, help us to be a better follower of you because your way truly is better. And that if we ever want to find fulfillment in this life, it's only by following you. So God, I pray for each one that's here today that we would be a better follower and if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, they haven't taken that first step to be saved, to, to make you the Lord of their life, that you would be with them today and they would make that decision right now. Thank you so much for all your blessings. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for the, the perfect harmony that you build us up in with you as the center. We praise you in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have an invitation time as we do at the end of every service.
If you have a decision you want to make for the Lord this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.